Good morning. Our reading today comes from Isaiah chapter 40, from verse 25 to the end of the chapter, not the book. (laughs) Anyway, to him, to whom will you compare me or who is my equal, says the Lord, the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one. And calls forth each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. The creator of the ends of the earth. He'll not grow weary or tired. And his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll soar on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not be faint. We've all had days when everything presses in all around us. The future looks dark. Instead of facing the day with excitement and eager anticipation, we face the day with weariness and depression. We're ready to faint. We're ready to quit. Perhaps you felt like that this week. Maybe you even feel like that this morning as you sit here. Tired and weary. And we've all been forced into change when it was the last thing that we wanted to face. Circumstances change, health deteriorates, Financial pressure may have forced us to live differently than we'd like to or even to move home. The authorities in their wisdom have shut down our favourite sport or meeting place. Or the death of a loved one has brought changes that we really didn't want to face. Think back a couple of years. Remember how you felt when you were in lockdown for a while with COVID? Forced change. As we consider the Hebrew people of the Old Testament this morning, they've been deported from their homeland. They're spread out all over Assyria and Babylon. Change has been forced upon them. And no doubt they're overwhelmed, they're feeling depressed, disheartened, despondent. Many have lost contact with close family and friends, relatives, and they wonder, will I ever see them again? And remember, this is a long time ago. They don't have a mobile phone. They don't have social media. 
life has been ripped apart for them. As Miles shared with us last week, in 722 BC, Assyria defeated the northern kingdom of Israel and took the people into exile, many as far away from their homeland as they could possibly take them. Over the subsequent years, Assyria sought to also defeat the southern kingdom of Judah and was mostly successful, leaving only Jerusalem intact. The prophet Isaiah was situated in Jerusalem. He was living in Jerusalem. And after the fall of Israel, the the northern kingdom, he began to call the people to repentance. Well, in 587 BC, Jerusalem also fell. This time to the Babylonian Empire, who had just defeated Assyria. And so the temple was destroyed, the city was left in rubble, many of the people were taken in exile to Babylon, which included Isaiah. He was taken to Babylon. Only a remnant were left in the area to occupy and farm the land. And of course to pay their taxes to to Babylon. And so we come to our reading today. Theologians suggest that chapters 40 to 55 of Isaiah were written in this period of exile into Babylon. Isaiah is in Babylon. And so you can imagine the people really disheartened. And wouldn't Isaiah feel this way too? Chapter 40 begins, however with God calling Isaiah to bring words of comfort for the people. Chapter 40, verse 1, comfort, comfort my people. Albeit they are now strangers in a foreign land, God declares that he has not forgotten or abandoned them, that his heart is still for them and is very much such that he wants them to know his comfort and reassurance in this distressing time. The nature and the heart of God has not changed. No matter what the struggle we're facing, he wants to comfort you. He wants you to know his comforting presence. He wants to be your refuge, to be your fortress. And so verse 25 begins with words of worship. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One. The Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. There is no one else like our God. There is none other like our God and our Father. He's our mighty creator. And it's as though he calls each of the starry hosts to appear in the night sky. And if none of them is missing or forgotten, then there is no way that he will forget you. Remember, The Holy One who directs the stars has his loving arms around you. 
The Hebrew people may have been feeling scattered and abandoned, but God knows just where they are. He cares for them. God knows just where you are. He cares for you. Even so, the people are still feeling abandoned by God. They feel abandoned by God, albeit God had warned them through the prophets and Judah had seen Israel exiled, the southern kingdom had seen the northern kingdom exiled and they were warned through the prophets. Still, they expect God to endorse their lifestyle choices of worship of foreign gods. And they expect God to protect them, to provide for them, to bless them. In verse 27, Isaiah asked the questions, Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Don't we often do the same? We know that we're doing the wrong thing, but we hope that God will overlook it that there'll be no consequences. And then when they do come, we question the presence and the love of God. We complain and we accuse God of ignoring us, of going to sleep or taking his eye off the ball. It's all your fault, God. We blame God because it's easier than facing our own sin and guilt. Even so... The heart of God is such that he wants to comfort his people. It seems he can't help himself. He's just so full of love, even for the unlovely, rebellious and disobedient. And Isaiah wants the people to realise this afresh. Verse 28. Don't you know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He'll not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. Do you not know? Sure you do. Have you not heard? Sure you have. They knew God, and they had heard of God, and heard of him and his, his ways, but they did not know God. Now, you know when you hang a new painting, you've got a new painting on the wall and it stands out every time you walk into that room. You can't help it. There it is. You, you see that painting on the wall. But after a while, you don't see it as much. You don't notice it as much because you've become familiar with it. And so for us, we recite the creed that says, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. But there's a difference between knowing something, hearing something, and believing in it, and living it, and appropriating it into our lives. Has God become all too familiar for you at the moment? Do you even recognise God in your life? Do you know God? And so Isaiah says, let me remind you. 
He is the everlasting God, the creator of all. He won't grow weary like you do, and he understands you and how you're feeling at this very moment. So although you're tired and weary and you complain and you feel that he's abandoned you, look to God. Get to know him. Trust him. To those of you here today, you may be feeling tired and weary. Isaiah has some wonderful news. For those who feel that there's no hope and it's no use to even try again, for those whose problems and burdens are too big, too big to solve, this is not only for those, this message is not only for those who are getting older and weaker and slower, not able to keep up. Because even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. Isaiah says, our God is all-powerful. Your God is all-powerful. My God is all-powerful. He is the everlasting God. Therefore, the only God who has ever been and ever will be. He is the everlasting God. He is the Lord. He's supreme over all. He's the creator of all. He is all powerful and he understands all. So consider this. If his understanding has no limit, then he understands your darkness. He understands your loneliness. He understands your tiredness, your lethargy. He understands. For whatever reason you're feeling tired and weary, he knows. He knows what it is to be abandoned. He knows what it is to suffer. He knows what it is to be under relentless temptation from the evil one. He knows. Jesus knew. Jesus knows. Our God is all-powerful, but secondly... He declares here that he makes his strength available to us. He is all-powerful, but he makes his strength available to us. Verse 29, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. You know, there are times when we're facing a task that God wants us to fulfil and he empowers us right throughout to get the job done. As a young mum, as a grandparent, You're caring for your kids. You often keep going with God sustaining you. As a group leader, you have so much to do and it just seems like there's no time to do it all, but press on you do and somehow the task is fulfilled. As a husband and a father, you'd like to to take a break. I'm tired, I'm weary, I'm over this. 
But the demands of life and being there in the moment are met through God's strength. There are also times when God seems to take pleasure in empowering the ordinary to do the extraordinary. He took a teenage shepherd boy and due to his faith in God, David killed that giant, Goliath. He took a doubtful disciple and due to his faith in Jesus, he allowed Peter to walk on water. God's power is available to us. But this verse also says that his power to strengthen us emotionally and spiritually is available to all who put their hope in him. He can strengthen us emotionally, spiritually. Scientists have studied the eagle and they tell us that when storms are coming, the eagle is the only bird that will set to flight and take to the thermal winds in order that they ascend above the storm. Up to 11,000 feet. They soar. They ride above the storm on the currents. They rest. They're out of danger. Verse 31. Those who wait upon the Lord will, not might, will renew their strength. They will soar on it wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. The storms of life still come, don't they? But placing our faith and our hope in the Lord allows us to rise above them and rest. What a beautiful picture. So how do you cope when the storms of life come? How do you normally handle it? When you're feeling tired and weary, how do you cope? Well, spouses grow tired and weary with each other over time. They grow tired of the same arguments. They grow weary of the same annoying habits. Parents grow tired of having to tell their children the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over. And children grow weary of hearing it. (laughs) People grow tired of a nagging backache, headache, constant pain. They grow weary of having to carry the same old load day in and day out. It's monotonous. And the devil says... Yeah, life's meant to be better than this. So here's a, here's a bit of a plan. Distract yourself from the daily struggle. Let's try a relieving substance. Let's start a new hobby. Let's lose yourself in Netflix series. Or social media. Or why not... Eat your emotions through snacks. 
all of which, of course, never satisfy. Are you tired of living a mediocre life? Or do you want an abundant life? For those who wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. This is God's promise to you. It's a promise. Wait upon him and your emotional and your spiritual strength will be renewed. Waiting on the Lord. Now, waiting on the Lord is not like waiting in the doctor's reception area, in the waiting room. Waiting on the Lord means that you have an attitude of seeking him through prayer as a practice of spending time in his word, listening for his voice. You know, from the the very first book, Genesis, right through to Revelation, the Bible contains more than 3,000 promises from God to you. And the beauty in God's list of promises is that they have all been fulfilled in Christ. Paul wrote, For all the promises of God find their yes and amen in him. 2 Corinthians 1.20 All the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. Every promise that God has made in his word can be trusted to come true if it hasn't already come true. Why? Because... God's greatest promise that he ever made has come true, Jesus. And you can trust him with your darkest secrets and your deepest desires because he cares, he knows, and he is true. Waiting for the Lord is in living in complete dependence on him with a a willingness to allow him to dictate your life, to determine the path of your life. It's allowing him to speak, to give direction, but also to allay all of your fears, to fill us with peace as we trust him. In fact, as we wait upon the Lord, we learn to soar with him above the storm. It's no longer just you above the storm, with him above the storm, where we don't grow tired and weary. Amen? Isn't that a beautiful picture? Rising above the storms of life with Christ, soaring with Jesus. Will you commit to waiting upon the Lord? And if so, how are you going to do that? How are you going to wait upon the Lord? How are you going to make that happen? You're going to stand and close our time of worship this morning.